Heaven is real, is it? Oh, you're quick to say that. You know, that's a question that many people ask, though, isn't it? Is heaven real? Listen to what some of these so-called intellectuals have to say about heaven. Pascal said, I would prefer an intelligent hell to a stupid paradise. I would not want to be in his shoes right now. Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, I don't like to commit myself, excuse me, in heaven, all the interesting people are missing. Poke your neighbor and say, you look interesting. Yeah. What's he talking about? It's like Christians are a bunch of idiots or something. And then Mark Twain said, I don't like to commit myself about heaven and hell. You see, I have friends in both places. People need to know where you're at. They need to know that you believe there is a heaven and there is a hell. And everybody's going to go to one or the other. Obviously, those who believe the Bible to be truth have their critics. There are a lot of people that hate our guts just simply for the fact that we love Jesus. But unless you believe the same philosophies of life, wear the same clothes, brush your teeth with the same toothpaste, I'm being somewhat facetious, you're considered the enemy by many of these people, and that's who our adversary is. He's convinced these people we're the enemy. Christians are the enemy. Anyone living for righteousness is the enemy. Well, today's message is going to look at what the Bible says about heaven, and I believe it's an important passage. Revelation 21. But before I get to that, I wanted to share 1 Corinthians 2.9, and this is what the Apostle Paul said of what God has in store for you. How many know God's got good stuff in store for us? We're going to read that here in just a minute. That's what the scriptures say and what they mean. No eye has seen, say that with me, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, when we, we try to figure out what heaven looks like, it just doesn't work. Because in our uh, finite minds, we just can't picture it. And today we're going to see a lot of imagery that John put in this gospel, or excuse me, in this, in this book. And I, I actually Googled it. What does heaven look like? And it's amazing, nobody tried. This is Google. Nobody tried to make it look like what this is going to describe today. And I thought, I wonder why. I would have thought I'd found pictures of of gates with giant pearls and all these gems and jewels with a with a translucent gold floor no one has tried to paint it and i was like wow we can't because we can't imagine it are you hearing me today what god has in store for us no one can imagine colossians 3 1 and 2 also speaking about heaven, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where? Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now I'm going to kind of do a flip-flop on this toward the end, but right now I want you to think about heaven. What has God prepared for you? 
What is, how many have ever moved into a house and you have kids? What's the first thing your kids wanted to know? Where's my room? How many feel that way with heaven? What's my room going to look like? Have you ever thought of that? Is it going to have waterfalls in it? Fish? With a nice bass boat? 200 horse? Honda on the back? In my room! I don't know. Just saying. Could be. He'd give you the desires of your heart. You know what? I don't care as long as I'm in heaven. I don't care what my room looks like, but I know God is going to do something phenomenal. Something awesome. Set your sights on the reality of heaven. Listen, if heaven was not real, if it's not real, then what does that say about Jesus and the apostles? They lied. How many believe they, that Jesus and the apostles lied? Anybody? So heaven is real. It's got to be. It's got to be, and I believe it is. Let's begin with verse 1, Revelation 21 today. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Testament, unless otherwise showing up there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Now, again, the old heaven is what we look at every day when we go out, or every night when we go out and look at the stars. The old earth is what we're standing on right now. It's going to disappear. It even says the water is going to disappear. You know, we're made of 60%, so it's somewhere in there, 55 to 65% of water, your body. So it's necessary on this side of heaven, but obviously when we're in our glorified bodies, that's not going to be an issue. Because God is going to eliminate the water. I don't understand it, but He does. That's all that matters, right? Here are some other passages that confirm the old heaven and the old earth is going to disappear. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. 2 Peter 3, 7. Some believe that this is happening, by the way, because of disobedience because sin took place on this earth when God creates this new heaven and new earth it'll have no sin remnant on it or in it you get what I'm saying here and he said and by the same word the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire now some believe that this fire is a cleansing and, and I'm not going to say either way God could make it a whole new heaven and earth which I believe is what's going to happen or he could refine the old heaven and the old earth with fire. And I'm not sure which way it's going to go, but this much I know, the new heaven and the new earth is going to be amazing. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Another one, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come, how? We got to keep this tucked away in our heads because when we start messing around with sin, this should pop into our heads. What happens if I'm in the middle of a sinful act and then God comes back for us? But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise 
and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment, which simply means burned up or destroyed. Verse 11, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, hear this part, what holy and godly lives should you live? You know, we could just skim right past this, but it's too important. We can't mess around anymore. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, without blemish. And that means that we've got to live holy and pure lives. Be holy, for I am holy, the Lord said. We can't mess around. This isn't time to let your curiosity get the best of you and start messing around with sin. Get rid of it. Lay it at the foot of the cross and leave it there. Stomp on it. What holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. How many would like that to happen? On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. That's what's coming. That's what's coming, folks. Can you get excited? Can you See, if you're not excited, it's because you got sin in your life. Hear me, I'm not saying this to beat you up. I'm saying this to get it right. Does God want you to go to heaven or hell? God wants all men to be saved. So it's a choice. If you don't go, it's a choice. Get right with God. For heaven's going to be filled with righteous people. Revelation 21, verse 2. This is exactly what we see here. And I saw the what? Holy city. It can't be a holy city unless there are holy people. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. There's no question in my mind when this comes down, we are going to be blown away. I'm going to get into this a little more in a minute. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now. How many long for that? When you are, hey, Let's go see Jesus today. Okay. Let's go hang with the master. Just like the disciples did. Only better. He's in his glorified body. We're in our glorified bodies. You think that there's nobody that's going to be cool in heaven? Think again. He's going to blow us away with his wisdom. With his parables. Ah, oh, I can't wait. Hallelujah. Lost my spot. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone for a little while. Oh, forever. Forever it says. Yes. Max Lucado said this, he said, we may speak about a place where there are no tears, no death, no fear, no night, but those are just the benefits of heaven. The beauty of heaven, he said, is seeing God. Ooh. 
I'm telling you right now, if he were to show up here, we would melt. I don't mean literally, but we would just, oh, he's here. He's here. Can I get a good amen? Verse 5, And the one sitting on the, on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you, you shouldn't trust. Oh, man, I'm dyslexic. What I tell you is trustworthy and true. So, can Jesus lie? He's God, so no, he cannot lie. So we can trust that what he's saying here is truth. Verse 6, and he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Ron Rhodes, who I've quoted quite a bit through this uh, series that I've done here, his book, 40 Days Through Revelation, he said, notice that the Bible begins in paradise, but is quickly lost. Then, the Bible ends with paradise restored. That's good news. That's the good news. John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus actually fulfilled this prophecy that, that he just spoke here in Revelation. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Eternal life. Now there's going to be some kind of fountain thing going on in heaven. I don't get it. I've already talked about how the seas are going to be gone. But obviously there's going to be some kind of living water there that you and I are going to drink from. And... It's going to be amazing. You're not going to need to go and tip a beer. Maybe there will be beer there. I don't know. But when you drink from the living water, you won't, you won't care what else you drink. That's going to be awesome. I can't do this justice. I just admit it right now. I can't do heaven justice. I'm trying. But, and realize, too, that, you know, I, I try to, as I study these things out, I try to come out in front of you knowing as much as I can know, but my mind is still finite. I may be getting some things wrong, but you're hearing the words of Scripture yourself, so you apply them as you see fit. But the truth is, this is real. Heaven is real. It's a real place. John, oh, I almost skipped the most important one. Revelation 7, 21 7. All, read it with me. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is the verse I was telling you about when I started. Walk in victory, because Jesus has already given you victory. Those who are victorious, that get through this life, you get to the other side and you're still serving Him, you are going to be blessed with all of this. All that God has in store for His children. You're going to be called one of His kids. He's going to know you by name. 
just like you know your own children by name. What does it mean to walk in victory? 1 John 5, 4 and 5, for every child of God defeats this what? evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Finish it with me. Only those who believe in Jesus Christ. Only those who believe. You want the victory? you got to believe. There's no other way to heaven. Well, wait, are you being exclusive? No, Jesus is. The Bible is. There's no other way. You're not going to get in any other way. But for the blood of Jesus Christ, He's the only one that died for your sins, and He's the only one that rose from the dead after. Then he gets into this, the next part. First he lists the blessings, then the curse. That's just like God. Revelation 21, 8. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What you see right here, and this is a man-made symbol, but what you see right here is what people are going to get forever and ever and ever that live like this. Let's break this down. Cowards are those who shrink back from fear of what others think. Do you live for Jesus? Or are you afraid to let people know that you serve Him? Well, they might not like me. Don't be ashamed of Him. Don't shrink back in fear. Unbelievers are those who are faithless. And there are a lot of people out there today who are faithless. Their religions are called evolution. They're agnostics. They have a hint of faith but of just a very little faith. They're faithless people. The corrupt. You know, these are people that God looks at and, and, and He just can't even look at them anymore. They're detestable in His eyes. I never want to be in a place where I am detestable to God. But there are people that get to that place. How do you like that squeak? Murderers. And, and I'm talking here, or the Bible's talking about the criminal homicide not the warriors that protect our nation against evil not the police who protect us against criminals and end up having to shoot someone this is criminal homicide the immoral this word in the original is actually pornos which of course is where we get the word pornography remember this those who practice pornography will not enter heaven. There's the second death. There's no coming back from that. Witchcraft, whew, this is a word where we get our pharmacaeus, where we get the word pharmacy from. Drugs. A lot of people are amped up today on drugs. Oh, I just can't get through life, man. 
I just can't do it. That's your God right there. I'm not picking on people that are smoke. I don't know if they smoke marijuana for medicinal purposes. Some do, I guess. I think I saw somebody that uh, had the shakes. Uh, but if you're just one who does it just to relax, I don't know. You decide. You decide. Idolatry. That means to worship any other God. If any other God is higher than the God, that's idol worship. And finally, liars. Jack Van Impey said, the deceitful are going to destroy mankind. We see that today. You don't know what's truth and what isn't when you look at the news. The, the deceitful people are all around us. Nobody wants you to know the truth. Why do you think the, the gospel, why do you think this book, is? they're trying to bury it because it's the only truth. Oh man, we should be able to live any way we want. No. You can live any way you want, but if it don't line up with this book, that hell thing is going to happen. The second death. As I said, there's no coming back from that. Moving right along. Verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and he said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now the bride here is seen in comparison to the New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is obviously a city, but what is a city made of? People. All right, And just like today, if you think of some of our cities around, uh, let's say, Michigan, can you think of any that you might think might be a little dark? All right? I mean, Detroit used to be way up there, right? But it's coming back. Hallelujah. And, you know, there's some good rocking churches in that area. And I'm telling you, they're reaching the people. They're reaching the people. That's one of the benefits of being a presbyter uh, with the Assemblies of God. I get to hear from those guys. They're seeing miracles take place down there. And we support some of them. All right? You and I, we support some of those churches. Courage Church, right in the middle of Detroit. That's one of our monthly supports. Because those people need Jesus as well. But those cities can represent something, whether it's good or bad. Right? They can... Re- they can relate to either the light or the dark. And that's what's happening here. This city's coming down and God's saying, here's my bride. Because it's us. We're in it. We make that city up and we're filled with the light. How many can say amen to that? Verse 10. So he took me in the Spirit to a great high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, and it shone with the glory of God, and it sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. I'm not even going to add to it. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates, There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 
Hopefully you see the significance of this number 12. Think about it. Did you know the number 12 is found 187 times in the Bible? 22 of them in Revelation itself. The 12 tribes, the 12 apostles. Do you think it's coincidence that we have 12 months? And that's how we gauge our time, our calendar? I don't believe it is. On patheos.com it said, God prescribed the number 12 to have meaning and purpose of which were governmental authority, a complete, excuse me, a completeness or perfection, and number three, the authority given to mankind by God. So you see all three of these things, governmental authority, completeness and perfection, or authority given to mankind. Those are the three things represented in the number 12. Moving along, why a wall? You know, and this really hit me. It was like, I don't know if I have that good an answer for this. Because if, if all of the sinners are in hell, it's a new heaven, a new earth, I'm not necessarily sure of why, why we need angels at each of these gates. I don't, I don't know. But God chose to do that, so whatever. Um, one of the theories, and this came from Jack Van Impey again, is that perhaps it's a remembrance of how we were protected by Jesus' blood. And he used Colossians 3, 3 through 4, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden where? With Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in His glory. Whoa! I can't wait for that. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square and as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height, and only, this is one of the few um, versions that actually says it's this, but their height was 1,400 miles. So 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles high in a cube. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, which in the King James is 144 cubits, which is divided by 12 into itself. You get what I'm saying? 12 by 12. 12 times 12 is... It's, it's amazing that 12 shows up again. Um, Jack Van Impey again said that if we were to place this new heaven and new earth on the United States, it would go from the tip of Maine all the way to the edge of South Florida and all the way to the Rocky Mountains. That's how big it is in the flat sense. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But where are billions of people going to live? It's as high as it is. Now, if, if you just picture in your mind 12-foot ceilings on every floor, you know how many floors this would be? Stories? 500 thousand stories do you think that would provide a little space for people we'll have some elbow room i think right there's room for billions in heaven i don't know what it's going to look like but i know it's going to be amazing hallelujah 
Hallelujah. All right, I started with this verse from the New Living Testament. I want to read it again from the Amplified. This is again 1 Corinthians 2.9. But on the contrary, as the Scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love Him, who hold Him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying Him and gratefully recognizing the benefits He has bestowed. I'm telling you, if you're living for Jesus, this is all for you. I don't know. Okay. Verse 18. The wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. Now some of these stones, we don't even know what they are. They're, they're not recognizable to us today. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth ox, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, I didn't look that one up, the eleventh just jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. As I said, I googled this and nobody could even try to come up with this. This is going to be unbelievable. And then this, this is my favorite verse, in the, well, one of my favorites in this book. 21. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. That's about 12 feet right there. So, can you imagine the oyster? <laughs> now, you know, God is God. I mean, he can, he can make the pearl. He doesn't need the oyster. He made the, he made the oyster. He can make the pearl without the oyster, right? But if he does use oysters, man, those, those guys got to be working at it right now. It's probably why it's taken 2,000 years after he died to get heaven built because, well, 3,000 actually because there will be the millennium in between there. But anyway, you get the idea. I thought that was pretty cool. And then streets of gold, and it's so pure that you can see through it. Ah, man. I saw no temple in the city. No church. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. Hallelujah. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. How many know Jesus is the light? John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. We're almost done. The glory of God is going to illuminate heaven. The glory of God. I'm telling you. And, and we won't have to worry about stepping into His presence because we'll be in our glorified bodies. 
I have a feeling we're going to glow a little bit ourselves. Because there's not going to be any sin in us anymore. Hallelujah. It's coming, folks. It's coming. Final verses. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil or nothing unclean in the original will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like without darkness because today I need a nap. I hate sleeping when the sun's out. It's nearly impossible. But I have a feeling that if we need sleep at all, it's going to be limited. We may not even need sleep. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. But I do know that the Bible says there will be no night and Jesus Himself and His glory is going to illuminate the city. You may have heard this before. You know, there's no such thing as darkness. Only the absence of light. And in heaven, there's not going to be any darkness because everything's going to have the light. All of heaven is going to be filled with it. There will be no darkness anymore. Can you picture it? Hell is going to be full of the dark. That's where people are going to go. And I said this last week, I think, or the week before, that your deeds are going to determine how much light you had and what level of hell you're going to suffer if you had any light in you at all. But hell is for the dark. It's for those who did wicked and evil things on this side of heaven. And heaven is going to be the opposite. Can you get excited? Let me close with this. Though what we have read from this chapter is nothing but amazing, and I'm the first one to say that. And I'm sure most of you would say, come Lord Jesus, come. Sooner than later, if it's up to me. But let us not, and I I emphasize this, let us not become so heavenly minded that we become no earthly good. We all have a purpose. I like what Philip Yancey said, and I'm going to quote him. The people of God are not merely to mark time, waiting for God to step in and set right all that is wrong. That's not what we're supposed to do. Rather, they are to model the new heaven and the new earth and by so doing, awaken longings for what God will someday bring to pass. Those people out there that are still living in darkness need your light to interrupt them. You need to shine bright on them. You need to be bold enough to say what you're doing, according to the Scriptures, is wrong. And if you keep on doing it, you're going to end up in the second death, living in hell forever without God. That's our job, folks. 
That's our duty. We have the light because Jesus lives in us. Now let's share it. Let's not hold it. Let's not cover it so nobody else can see it. But let's tell people where they're going astray. Another. Warren Wiersbe in his Bible study series on Revelation said this, Heaven is more than a destination. It is a motivation. Are you with me? Knowing that we shall dwell in the heavenly city ought to make a difference in our lives in the here and now. The vision of the heavenly city motivated the patriarchs as they walked with God and served Him. And you'll see this all through the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Knowing that He was returning to the Father in heaven, it also encouraged Jesus Christ as He faced the cross. He kept His focus on heaven. Because he knew what it was going to look like. What it was going to mean for you and me. That's what kept Jesus going. Because he knew if he didn't fulfill that event in time, 2,000 plus years ago, you and I wouldn't have a chance to be with God forever. The assurance of heaven, he went on to say, must not lull us into complacency or carelessness, but spur us. How many? Picture a horse. Spur us, right? I just watched this on one of the shows the other night. Spur us to fulfill our spiritual duties. Poke your neighbor and say, spiritual duties. We all have spiritual duties to carry out. We can't be lulled into complacency. We must fulfill the great command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make them disciples, teaching them everything Jesus taught, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's our job folks. 1 Peter 2.11, you're probably familiar with it. I'm not going to read it, but it talks about how we're just passing through this life as foreigners, a peculiar people. But let us not forget our purpose as we're here. Yes, to worship God, first and foremost. But it's our duty, listen to this, it's our duty to help pull people along to drag them if need be, to convince them when possible that they need Jesus, their loving Savior. And when all else fails, to love them as Christ first loved us. That's our duty. That's our responsibility as Christians. Finishing with this verse again. Revelation 21.7 All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Would you stand? Are you fulfilling your spiritual duties? This between you and the Lord. The second part, are you living victoriously? It's between you and the Lord. Let me finish with this. Jesus gave his all for you. What's he getting in return? Would you bow your heads with me?
Father, we just, again, humble ourselves before you. Lord, you know everything about us. Everything that's good and everything that's bad. And Lord, I kneel before you today, recognizing I am just but a man. But thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me of all my unrighteousness. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when that day comes that I stand before you, the blood alone is all it's going to take for you to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not by anything that I do, Lord, other than putting my faith and trust in you. And Lord, I pray for every person within the hearing of my voice today that if they're not ready to go to heaven yet, that this would be their day, that they would make a commitment to you because I don't want to see anybody here go to hell. It's not a fun place. It's not a good place. It's a wicked and evil place where the punishments will be heaped on those people forever and ever and ever. But on the flip side, those that put their trust in Jesus, those that love Him as you first loved them, Lord, they are going to receive eternal life. They are going to be living in heaven with God Almighty forever and ever and ever sharing in all the many blessings you have in store for them. So I would ask here today, if you're here and you need Jesus, you know you're not ready to go. Every head bowed and eye closed. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't think I'm ready. Would you lift your hand up so I can see it? Yep. Others? Yep. Others? Yep. You put them down if you've already raised them. Anybody else? Let me ask this question. I see that hand. Let me ask this question now. Are you living victorious? Are you living victorious for Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not really sure. Then that would convince me that you're probably not. You need to make some adjustments in your life. I'd like to pray for you. So if that's you, lift your hand up quick. You're not sure that you're living for Jesus. Yep, hands going up all over the room. Thank you, you put them down. What about spiritual duties? Some of you have known Jesus for 40, 50 years, and yet you're still not sold out to the fact that God has something for you to do. Those are spiritual duties. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, I need your prayers as well. I need you to pray with me as well. Lift your hand. Yep, hands going up all over the room. Thank you. Put them down. Let's pray. I'd ask everyone here to pray this loud enough so you can hear it with your own voice. And saints, would you join me as a family? Heavenly Father, I come to you through the blood of Jesus who makes all things right. I lean on the blood today. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. Help me to get the victory, Lord over every demonic oppression, every temptation that tries to spring on me, God, I put it under the blood right now. I want to walk in victory from this day forward. And I proclaim, devil, get under my feet in Jesus' name. For greater is he that is in me than he that, it, than he that is in this world. And today I'm more than a conqueror.
through Christ my Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to use the gift or gifts and exercise them to do my spiritual duty. To find a place in the body to be used by you. Maybe it's giving a, a, a homeless man a meal and praying for him. Maybe it's praying for somebody that's sick. Maybe it's getting involved in a church. But God, today, I vow in my heart to figure out what you made me for. Use me, Lord, as only you can. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you give God the glory today? I'm telling you what, as we get closer to the, His second coming, His soon coming, it's going to amp up. That's right. I don't know who that was, but amen. God is moving. We have seen miracles happening. The Holy Spirit is falling on groups of people. One of the testimonies that happened with my wife was the peace of God fell on our office last Wednesday and everybody that came in, she just went, because it was so heavy. It was while you and I were talking in my office right next door to him. I missed it because we were meeting. But it, we had a good meeting though too. God's moving. God is faithful. And he's pouring himself out. So be like a bucket. Hold your hand up. Be like a bucket. Say, God, fill me up. I want more. I don't want leftovers. I want to be filled. Main course. Dessert. And everything in between. And keep us safe in our coming and going, Lord. You can pray that. And Lord, we just commit the rest of this day in your hands. The rest of this week. In Jesus' name. Whew, man, there is such a presence of the Holy Spirit up here right now. Thank you for coming out today. God bless you. Take this with you. Take it with you. Take it with you. Serious. Take it with you. Get out of here and go love somebody in Jesus' name. Have a great week.